0: We aren't seeing a lot of plays about the pandemic yet, but I was at one recently. It was by the playwright Susan Laurie Parks, and it's called Plays for the Plague Year. There's this scene in it that reminds me of how we were so stressed out back then that we were kind of forgetting to breathe. One of the main characters breaks the fourth wall, and he walks right up to the audience, and he asks us to do this breathing exercise with him. And so he tells us as an audience together to breathe in for four, hold for four, and breathe out for four. And I breathed in for four, and I just, like, immediately started to cry. <laughs> wow. And I was, like, oh, like total involuntary. Oh,
1: bless your heart. Yeah.
0: That's me telling Susan Laurie about this just days after seeing her play.
1: Oh, that's so great. No, no, no. If you can feel it, you can heal it. You got, we, we, we have our nation that does not want to grieve. Yeah. And we need to grieve. Yeah. We need to look back and go, oh, gee, something unfortunate happened. We need to grieve it. We need to see it. We yeah. need to embrace it. We need to all these human things that we no longer do. Susan
0: Laurie Parks is one of the preeminent playwrights of our time. She studied under James Baldwin, she's a MacArthur genius, and she's a Pulitzer Prize winner. She's the first African-American woman to win the Pulitzer Prize in drama for her play Top Dog Underdog. But this play about COVID feels different from her other work. It feels more earnest. Today, Susan Laurie joins me to talk about why she decided to write a pandemic play and why she decided to put it on now. Now's an interesting time because we're not in the thick of COVID anymore, but we're not totally out. And our emotions around it are still raw to the touch. This is FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Let me set the scene for you for this interview. I'm in a small conference room in the basement of an administrative building in lower Manhattan across from the public theater where the play is on. I've just taken a covid test and I'm wearing a mask and Susan Laurie Parks is across from me and she's wearing a mask.
1: Why are we wearing masks? We I I know and this is the thing. So um the way things are now I know we run around without masks but when we're in a small room because I am actually in yeah. my show Plays for the Play Year. Um, what happens is if one of us in the cast should uh, test positive for COVID, even if we don't have any symptoms, even if we feel fine, all that stuff, mm-hmm. if we should test positive, we are not allowed to participate in the show. Right. For 10 days. Right. Okay. And um, I do not have an understudy. Right. So last time around when we did the show in the fall, um, COVID blazed through our show, mm-hmm. and then I got COVID. Uh, right. Couldn't Couldn't help it. We were hanging out, so we had to shut down the show. We had to cancel the show.
0: In March of 2020, Susan Laurie decided that she was going to write a little play every day to keep her mind occupied until things got back to normal. But of course, as you know, nothing went back to normal, and the plays became this reflection of how abnormal our lives and our culture have become. Susan Laurie plays a version of herself on stage, so you see personal stuff, like her and her husband and her son doing all the COVID things we remember. The elbow bumping, the virtual school, the walks in the park. They have a friend who gets a job at a morgue. They have another friend who dies. You also see the cultural and the political stuff, like election night and the police brutality and the protests at that time. There's also a lot of music.
1: I play the writer. I play the hobby. I play the kid.
0: I play the muse. So in the first year or so of the pandemic, you decided to write a little play every day and you collected it into one big play and you're in the play. And first, I'm curious what it's been like to stage it. You know, it's three years out from the start of the pandemic.
1: Exactly.
0: So what has it been like to sort of yeah. stage yeah. this play while we're still kind of in it?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question because the, um, I mean, you wonder, what do we do with history? Yeah. And what do we do with memory? And how do we digest things? Our culture these days, I feel like, is encouraged not to reflect, mm-hmm. not to digest, not to process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the show really uh, in a really joyful way, in a funny way, there are more jokes in there than I've ever written. I think um, <laughs> it, it encourages us to think about what happened, yo, yeah. you know it's okay. It's not going to it's not going to it's not going to cause harm. it's It's going to cause some joy. strangely enough, mm-hmm. um reflecting on the past is a doorway to incredible joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and incredible, also also some sorrow and some sadness. But for the most part, it is a joyous experience <laughs> and, like I said, there are a lot of there are a lot of fun jokes mm-hmm.
0: um, I'm curious how it went process wise, how it went from this thing that you were doing, this thing that you were mm-hmm. writing a little play every
1: day mm-hmm. into a
0: real production into a show into a show
1: into a show, right. The fun thing about in, in my experience in in, in writing. Writing, period. And then there's writing for the theater, right? So I do writing across, you know, I've written from novels to movies to TV shows to songs to essays to all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've written a lot of plays. And when I write plays, I've learned that I write them for a specific, they're plays. Mm. They're not essays. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I think this might be performed one day. That's in. That's. Integral. That's part of the DNA of a play, right? And when I started writing these plays, it was very much, I'm creating something so that when we get back together, mm-hmm. we'll have something to share with each other. Mm-hmm. We'll have a—I a, was setting the table, if you will, for this banquet, for this, this dinner party. I was planning a dinner party. Didn't know what actors I was going to invite in, big question mark. But I knew that I was going to have a dinner party. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the dishes would be these plays. And, of course, I wrote one a day, sometimes two a day, sometimes two a day in a song for a whole year. So there are many more than we actually see on stage. We see about 90 or so. I I never counted.
0: Um, I'm curious what that process was like, editing. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Tweaking it to make
1: it. Sure, sure. Because it would have been, you know, 10 hours, 15 hours long (laughs) if we had had done all of them. And, 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 uh, you know— so so to edit it to your question, mm-hmm. to edit it, um, yeah, what to leave in, uh, what to leave out. Again, what do we want to encourage the audience to remember? What do we want to let go of?
0: Was there a play that you read it and you were like, I want to forget that, so I don't want to put it in, or that wasn't how no, you thought about it? No, I wouldn't have written
1: it. Wouldn't have written if it. I, if I wanted to forget it, I, I wouldn't have written it. It wouldn't have made it to the page. Interesting. You know? Yeah. No. I mean, the ones I wanted to, now, I, I didn't only want to remember the quote unquote good things or the good moments. I mean, there are a lot of very upsetting moments um, that I wanted to, I wanted to maybe remember, 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 literally put Mm -hmm. the body together, put the body back together. and, um, And, and we remember them in different ways. So, so for example, I mean, for example, some of the difficult things that, that happened during the year, um, uh, uh, Breonna Taylor was killed now do we recreate the 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 killing of Breonna Taylor no we have her standing on stage talking about it yeah Uh, Ahmaud Arbery was killed do we recreate the the killing of Ahmaud Arbery no we don't actually the the uh, the wonderful actor Leland Fowler stands on stage and says uh, Ahmaud Arbery goes for a run you know what happens next and then the writer says to her son pumpkin pie can I give you a hug yeah and so what we're recreating is everyone knows what happened, yeah, and we're also creating a moment where a mother can reach out to her son and say, I love you mm-hmm. so we're we're creating much more than just it's it's not trauma porn. It's not oh, let's let's run the, the audience through these horrible things that happen, so <laughs> right. it's it's never like that at all, yeah, um. As artists, I feel like we do need to learn how to uh, discuss or engage in discussions or presentations of, quote unquote, difficult things Mm -hmm. um, without uh, uh, engaging in the creation of trauma porn, Mm -hmm. Uh, trauma porn to trauma is like sex and love is to pornography there's a difference we all know it Mm -hmm. but why haven't we learned it
0: when susan laurie talks about trauma porn she's referring to this idea that's becoming popular especially with young artists it's that we shouldn't be excessively rehashing a group's traumas and pain for entertainment that that is often exploitative susan laurie thinks it's not that simple for her, the good needs to live
1: alongside
0: the bad. There's a way to wrestle with both, because they intertwine, and you see a lot of that in this play.
1: I teach it at NYU. I, I think that uh, we who uh, we who have been at the game uh, at the the game of writing, a game of art making, it a little longer than some of the other others, uh, need to teach it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that we grow, you know, come into the arts knowing. I think we need to be taught. Can I ask? Yeah.
0: What do you teach your students in or, around this specific? Oh, oh well, like how would you?
1: Well, yeah, it's teach it's not. Them. I mean, I, I mean, and and you know, let's be. Honest, I don't teach a class called how to write. <laughs> right. You know, of course. No. I, no, no of no, course. No, no. But I'm. Um, of- yeah. I. Um, uh, spe- but what I teach applies to every subject. Yeah. Right. Go deeper. You're a better writer than that. Mm-hmm. Um. Why are you going for the thrill when you could go for the truth? I just ask them questions like mm. that. You know, What's your, what is your character really feeling right here? Yeah, yeah, you got, you, yeah, you're titillating the audience. Um, <laughs> is that all that you want to do? Really? And I looked them in the eye. We, we, we've forgotten how to have conversations. Mm-hmm. We've forgotten how, I'm looking you in the eye right now. You know, I know this mask, I'm going to pull my mask down. I'm going to see you like, cause there's a part in the play, you know, there's the hello, the rest of your face part Hello, the rest of your face. <laughs> amazing. Show me yours. Yeah. There you are. Hello, the rest of your face. Right? Yeah. It's an amazing thing. We've forgotten how to do this. Mm-hmm. Even before pandemic, yeah. we forgot. We yeah. we we don't yeah. look each other in the eyes anymore. Yeah. We have hot takes and cancel people, <laughs> and ha ha. We feel powerful, you know, with our thumbs. Ha ha. Yeah, you're canceled. <laughs> you, you 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 know, we don't have conversations anymore. We we a conversation is a beautiful. Um thing that helps create quote unquote civilization. Yeah. Can somebody tell me which way the world is spinning now? Cause I would really like to know if we
0: That's Susan Laurie singing on stage. One thing that Plays for the Plague Gear does is it reminds us that COVID wasn't just a health crisis, it was also a political crisis. At the start of the pandemic, the crisis messaging was wild. You probably remember politicians were urging Americans to prioritize reopening the economy over protecting the health of the elderly. Susan Laurie's play processes a lot of that messaging. And she had a lot to say about it with me, too. During your play, I got emotional in a number of places Mm. that I didn't expect to. Like where, Um,
1: where, where that you didn't expect to? Well, one,
0: I just forgot how many people died. It was like Mm -hmm. I knew, but Mm -hmm. I forgot. And there was something about the way that it was sort of you reminded us through it, Mm -hmm. sort of repeated it three times as the count was getting higher. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's so early to be processing the pandemic uh, and there isn't a lot of art yet and there aren't a lot of plays that are doing this mm-hmm. and uh i'm just curious how you think about that like is it too early i mean maybe it's is not it? too early because is it
1: too <laughs> is it too i mean uh, is there a is there? A, is there a calculate what is the math what what is the math on trauma happens or or not trauma let's take that word away mm-hmm. something happens something mm-hmm. thing it happens and when are we supposed to, what, what is the, what, what is the, is there a math to that? Is there a formula to, no, yeah. no, no. But it sounds I mean, like you know, because I don't, I don't, I don't know. I feel, I feel something happens. It happens. Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling something, then that is appropriate. Yeah. I learned from the actors involved, everybody involved and people who've come to the show I, they so wanted to feel—they had stuffed things mm-hmm. in their bodies that they had forgotten about, mm-hmm. and they wanted to keep it that way. Yeah. And actually, they realized I didn't, they didn't want to keep it that way. They just didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So they were just holding tight and, and, and going shopping, <laughs> buying stuff. You no, know, really, after 9-11, we were encouraged to go shopping— I remember that and and we all thought or a lot of a lot of folks thought that's a good idea. Get the economy back on track. Show that we're still here. Go out and spend that almighty dollar. Yes. You know, and that was considered by, by some, you know, that was considered you know, some some okay advice.
0: What would you have liked?
1: Well, I to I be don't told. I don't know and I can't remember, you know, I I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But what I do know is that during the pandemic we were encouraged to consider allowing the elderly to die for the sake of the economy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a similar kind of thing. And in the plays, the kid asks mommy and daddy, what's the economy? Because he knows what the elderly are. The elderly are grandma and opa and, and Mr. Charlie who lives down the hall. And, you know, he knows who the elderly are. He doesn't know what the economy is. And so that kind of thing. So when is it an appropriate time to process? We're we're going to say we're going to have a 10 year anniversary and process (laughs) it then? Or is it or when the political of either party, we're going to wait for them to tell us when it's appropriate to process something?
0: Turns out I needed to process it two days ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we're there for you. We're showing up. We're showing up for people and we're showing up for each other.
0: Plays for the Play Gear is very different than the play that made Susan Laurie famous. That play, Top Dog Underdog, came out in 2002. Last year, it was reprised on Broadway for its 20th anniversary, and I went, and it was one of the most intense theater experiences I've had in years. And when I left the theater, it was like the words from the play were pounding in my head. This play feels more gentle. So I was curious if there was a through line for her and what that through line was. I would like Susan Laurie to ask you a little bit about Top Dog, Underdog. Oh, okay. And uh, I will explain it briefly to our listeners, although it's a very hard play to explain because it's about so much. Mm. Um Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, no, it's okay. Pretend yeah, I'm not here. Just okay. pretend I'm it's not about, here. Uh, it's about two adult brothers, um, and their dad named them Lincoln and Booth as a joke. Um, and they live together, and they're just in conversation in their home, um, and they're dealing with many things, racism and trying to just make enough to get by and how to do that when the cards are kind of stacked against you and their relationship with each other and their family. And I saw some parallels with Plays for the Plague Gear. Oh, cool. Um, And uh, maybe the clearest link is just dealing in a nuanced way with what it means to be black in America. Mm -hmm. At one point in Plays for the Plague Gear, you have James Baldwin come on, who was your Mm. teacher, and he says, people have no memory.
1: Any tips, Mr. Baldwin?
0: Don't fear pain. Mm. Don't fear joy. Say what you think, even if it's unpopular, even among those who you consider to be your people. Shout if you have to, but don't shout so much that you lose your voice. I'm curious if you see parallels between the two plays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, That's a a wonderful question because um, they're so far apart in in time from each other. I wrote top dog underdog in 1999 and we reference it in the you do? in place for the plague Gear. Yeah. yeah are there parallels well i would say it's it's funny the thing about i mean the first thing you said about top dog underdog one of the first things was you know two brothers adult men they do them with racism that's the very first thing mm. to me that's interesting because mm. to me that's not how i see it yeah and t- as a as a black person that is how our drama is deemed relevant. Right. That is how we are seen as having a relevant story to tell. Mm-hmm. Me and racism. You know, these guys, I think they're biggest, bigger than race. It's, the, it's, it's you're my big brother. I'm your little brother. I want to learn something you know and you won't teach me. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the biggest thing. Again, plays for the plague here. Racism, sure, it happens, but it happens because I am a Black woman, but it's not the stuff of the plays, I don't think. Although, the similarities to me with Top Dog and the plays for the play gear, one, they couldn't be more different. Mm-hmm. People go in Top Dog, they go, Where are you? This isn't about you at all. And I'm like, Oh, it's all about me. You just don't see me. Plays for the play gear, you see me. Mm-hmm. There I am. You can't not see me. There I am you know so they they couldn't be more different and yet they are so much of the same song because both shows embrace you know the mystery of being human Mm -hmm. what is it what actually is going on how is reality created that's what I really am interested in and we could talk all day about racism and race relations Mm -hmm. but that's just the veil that is being used to hide from us the thing that's really interesting, which is right now we're creating reality. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. And how is reality created? You know. And when the writer, the first thing that she says when she walks on the stage is, "I play the writer." What does that mean for me, Susan Lori Parks, to walk on stage in a play, a series of plays that I wrote, and sing to the audience? I play the writer. What does that mean? How do we create reality? And if we can look at and embrace the ways, the various, the many multitudinous, I don't even know what that's the word, ways in which we create reality mm-hmm. every moment, then we can be more attentive to the fact that we are creating reality every single moment. We're not just in some some labyrinth of someone else's design. You know what I mean? So I do think that the topic of race relations, while it is important, is actually a diversion from the real beautiful thing that here we are, humans, being human, and together we are creating reality. Wow. Wow. Look at us. Yeah. Can you
0: just, uh, sorry, just to follow up, um, when you say we're creating reality mm-hmm. all the time and what does that mean? Um, I guess, tangibly, when do you feel that? And I asked that partially because in the pandemic, I felt like, wow, we are really living history. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what do we do to preserve this time? How do I, how am I going to remember this time in the future? And I was very aware of the mm-hmm. ways we were. Creating right. reality and living in reality right. in, in a way that I don't feel palpably anymore. Right. Um, I right. guess I'm curious. Because
1: things are back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When things get, everyone kept saying, when things get back to normal, when we put the veil over it again and you stop being aware of what's going on, of your your part in it, that's what plays for the plague years really doing that's mm-hmm. in a way another reason why it's so emotional it's not only reminding us of stuff that happened but it's reminding you of the part that you play in the construction of reality moment by moment by moment and that's that's the great uh i think service of place for the play gear it's just helping us wake up to our our authority mm-hmm. Um, The ways that we on stage, the actors, me, the musicians, we have a wonderful band, um, take care of each other while we're on stage. We assist each other onto pieces of furniture. We move pieces of furniture. We help each other into certain uh, uh, costume changes. We applaud each other. We we witness the plays that we're not in. Um, The way that we're there for each other is an invitation to model that behavior. We're inviting the audience, try this. Next time you're feeling... Me? We're like, you don't give a fuck. Try something like this. Stand up for somebody else. Witness somebody. Be there for somebody who you don't know. Mm. Susan Laurie Parks,
0: this conversation was a real honor. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: That's the show this week. Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the life and arts podcast of the Financial Times. Next week, we have the actor Arian Moyad on. He plays Stewie, a fan favorite on Succession, and so much more. And he's on to tell us what it's like to play an unlikable character. Links to everything mentioned today are in the show notes, alongside a link to a great discount on an FT subscription. That's also at ft.com slash weekendpodcast. There's also a link in there to a discount to the second annual US FT Weekend Festival, which is in Washington, DC, on Saturday, May 20th. As you know, we love hearing from you, so if there's something that you'd like to hear us take on, or someone you'd like to hear us interview, or an FT writer you want us to chat with, get in touch. You can email us at Ftweekendpodcast at FT.com. The show is on Twitter at FTweekendPod, and I am on Instagram and Twitter at Lila Rap. I post a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff about the show on my Instagram. I am Lila Raptopoulos, and here is my talented team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Molly Nugent is our contributing producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer, and our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a lovely weekend, and we'll find each other again next week.